We don't slut shame around here. They say we are what we eat. Does that come in organic? So who are you eating? I believe they call that an ethical slut. Can I unplug your phone so I can charge my vibrator? I can't believe he couldn't find it. Fuck it. Let's roll. You're listening to Eat, Play, Sex with Dr. Cat, The place to up-level that sexy life of yours. With expert talk on sex, love, and nutrition. Hey lovers, and welcome to another episode of Eat, Play, Sex. I'm your sex expert, Dr. Cat, and you're about to drop into a glimpse of our future sex life that is actually here now. How is virtual reality amplifying our sex and love lives, and what are the ethics and the unique controversies that we need to be talking about as technology advances? And that's what we're diving into today with tech expert Lyle Maxim, who is the pioneer of transformative entertainment. He's the co-founder of Andromeda Entertainment and a VR publisher bringing to market games for good and self-development. But first, October is coming up and it's my favorite Only slightly because it's my birthday month and Halloween where everyone gets to dress up in slutty costumes with me, but mainly because of all the sensual pleasures. I mean, the smell of the crisp, cool air, the taste of pumpkin spice everything, the crunch of the fallen leaves under my feet, the vibrant oranges and yellows of the changing trees. And so for celebration, I've created a whole podcast series about sensuality. Each week of October, you'll get to hear myself and top experts talk about sensuality and embodiment. And you know me by now. I don't do any of the fluffy, nonsense bullshit. We get into the science, the psychology, trauma, and cultural pressures that are impacting our ability to be sensual. Let's call out the BS so we can return to our authentic, sensual beings, even while still wearing our sweatpants. You feel me? So be sure to subscribe here so that you don't miss an episode. Now to my dear friend and tech rock star, Lyle Maxson. Hey. Hi, <laughs> I'm like I'm like grinning from ear to ear and I'm not sure if that's my sunny disposition or if it's this this collar thing that's around my neck right now. What do you think? It's probably both. <laughs> carefully. Yeah. Both. Yeah. What is this thing you put on me? You're it's, not like, like, this isn't a kink toy, is it? Like <laughs> It does vibrate when you turn it on, but um, no, it's called HAPBEE, um, H-A-P-B-E-E, and it's a electromagnetic frequency device that actually simulates different types of drugs. No. Um, so you could find them online. Really interesting backstory. They were actually used for brain cancer initially and have this huge enterprise side where they were simulating the same frequency as chemotherapy for people with brain cancer where they put this right now it's beer wearing it as a necklace you could also wear it as like a headband which looks ridiculous but um for medical applications they were actually relieving people of cancer um i don't know how much like their cure rate was but i know it was extremely effective for brain cancer and then uh my buddy scott um 
did some licensing and got the consumer model ready to, yeah, have all sorts of different frequencies for relaxation, sleep. You're on like the, the actual happy signal right now, which I think it's simulating like tequila. No or shit. Or some sort of like, yeah, like a microdose, like a shot or two of alcohol. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a very interesting company. And I mean, I wear that thing all the time. I can't say I've ever done a podcast on tequila. So this is probably the closest I've ever been and the closest I will ever be to that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it goes to show that you don't drink very often when you say that you're <laughs> on tequila. Yeah. <you know? laughs> <laughs> so I'm over here with Lyle and this whole afternoon has been like a spa date with with technology for me. He's hooked me up to all kinds of things and and I'd love for you to drop in and share with us all the things that you introduced me to or put me through. I don't know the difference, but this um, brings in this con this conversation that I think is really important for us to have now as technology is expanding. How does is this relating to our sex life, to our love lives, to our health. And that is exactly why I brought Lyle in here today to share with us about technology, biohacking, all these ways that we can use technology to, to really enhance our, our life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this thing here would be around my neck. Nobody can see this, but this thing around my neck can be, is this biohacking or is this, yeah. How would you de define this? Uh, for me, I would define it as neurohacking because it's more related to the brain. Got but biohacking, biohacking is kind of like a catch-all term for anything involved with the body and, you know, optimizing your performance. Um, where I like the distinction between the two, biohacking and neurohacking, would be that for biohacking, it's usually focused on performance or recovery. So, you know, you go to like something like Upgrade Labs, um, which is a big biohacking center that Dave Asprey does. Mm, yeah. um, or, you know, different conferences. And most of it is geared around athletes or people that are, you know, executives that want to have a leg up and they want to be able to have more energy throughout their day. But with neurohacking, it's much more meditative. Mm -hmm. So, you know, happy might not be the greatest example when you're doing a tequila frequency, <laughs> but there is, you know, deep relaxation frequencies and sleep. Um, you do it like 30 minutes before you go to bed and it drops you into deeper sleep cycles. Um, so yeah, for me, how I distinguish neurohacking is really around how to optimize meditation, how to drop more into your higher self, you know, how to become like more of a radiant being as opposed to making your body perform at this like crazy high level. Isn't that all what we're looking for? Yeah, we're all looking for that more energy. We're looking for more connection with ourselves. But we all are so trying to be superhuman, right? Mm -hmm. We're trying to be godlike too. <laughs> so yeah, a combination of both. I think that the market's flooded with, you know, everything around how to recover faster and how to perform better. But I don't think that there's nearly enough technology out there that is really focused on allowing people to have altered states and, and drop into themselves and, you know, have with, deep relaxation versus crazy performance. Yeah, yeah. Which is what you connected me with this afternoon, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So to describe to everybody who's listening what just happened, it was like a scene from, I'm going to say Star Wars. I don't know. But there was this bed. Choose and your sci-fi movie. Yeah. yeah choose your sci-fi. I don't know. All of them. <laughs> um, aren't they all the same? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> kidding. Kidding. <laughs> um, so yeah. So I laid down on the, I think the tequila is kicking in. <laughs> Woo! Sorry. 
hours. So I laid down on this bed and you put on these glasses, this like super futuristic looking helmet thing. And I had like glasses on and ear things on. Earmuffs, I don't know, whatever. Ear ear things. Anyway, laid, <laughs> laid those down. Headphones, that's what it's called. Yeah, headphones. And I laid down and I started. So I heard myself being guided to connect with my breath. I saw lights behind my eyes flashing and I heard music that rose and fall, rose and fell, <laughs> rised and fell. <laughs> can't even talk. It's tequila. <laughs> um, and and uh, the experience moved with my breath. Mm -hmm. Okay. So tell me what was happening there. What was the thing that I was using that I was connected with? Yeah. So that's a product from, from one of my companies. Entheo Digital is the name of the company. Um, and the product is called SoundSelf. Mm. So it was initially released in the VR market about a year and a half ago. Uh, and now we recently have been transitioning it to a more therapeutic practice with using light therapy glasses instead of a VR headset. And what that, the difference between the two is that with VR, we're creating the visuals for you, mm -hmm. where with the light therapy, your eyes are closed and your brain is creating those visuals. Um, so yeah, the product is really interesting. We've been doing a lot of research around brainwave states and what it's doing. And we've essentially coined the term technodelic, um, which is, uh, based off the fact that if you compare brain scans between somebody that has had a full dose of psilocybin versus yeah. playing this experience, they're yeah. very similar. Um, yeah. So default mode network, shutting off, uh, increase in theta, increase in alpha. And what's really interesting is the increase in gamma, which is more of like your, you know, creativity, like the, uh, it's a very hard brain state to get into with a lot of these technologies. Um, so yeah, we create the software for it. And then you tried... Uh, you tried it on a vibrating bed yeah, and then with these light therapy glasses that we've been using. But what's great about it is we're actually becoming hardware agnostic, meaning the software could plug into anything that vibrates. It could plug into anything that um, that administers light. And then the next version will be for the kind of the combination of that with a whole new feature of VR um, kind of to the next level. But yeah, so the whole experience is you're toning, um, which means that you're, you're doing any sort of prolonged chanting or singing or humming mm -hmm anything that's more than a few seconds of your of vocal toning. Mm -hmm. And that creates a biofeedback experience of lights. So lights or visuals and then haptics. And then your audio is fed back to you as more of like this choir um, of your own voice. Wow. So the lights, what is light therapy? How does that impact our, our neurocircuitry or how does that impact us? Yeah. So we've just recently transitioned it over. So a lot of our research to date has been around the VR version. Um, so we're still like really discovering that light therapy mm -hmm. has been around for I think around 40 years since yeah. the early 80s. Um, but the fact that a lot of these experiences that you could buy today are not biofeedback driven, granted they're, you know, solfeggio tones or binaural beats that are, you know, the lights are syncing up with the music that you're listening to, but for your body to produce that music is a very different experience. And yeah, we just brought on a chief science officer now that we're going this more clinical mm -hmm. FDA route and we're working a lot with psychedelic therapists. Yeah. Um, so we are just about to discover what it, 
what happens and doing a lot of deep research around it. Yeah, that's amazing. So from my perspective as a trauma therapist, the uh, all the toning that's going on is stimulating the vagus nerve. Mm-hmm. So we call that vagal toning and it actually helps to strengthen our ability to self-regulate. Mm-hmm. Um, it mm-hmm. strengthens the, the pathways for that down regulation or that calmer state of being, that place where we feel a lot connected to self with a capital S, you know, like who we are, our authentic being, and to be also to be able to better connect with other people. So I can imagine here in this experience that I just went through, you know, just the vibration itself in my in my own throat um, is is creating that down regulation, and then and then to then experience it visually. And like you were saying, the biofeedback. So I'm literally seeing how I am, what, how I am calming my system down. Mm -hmm. So it's like feedback. I'm getting the visual feedback of what it's like to calm down. And so it's almost like feeding one another. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we've been, I mean, that's kind of the whole thing for us is how to Trojan horse these Mm -hmm. esoteric concepts, things like the vagus nerve, things that people have been doing for millennia into a product that is kind of labeled as entertainment or, you know, something that is enjoyable and not feeling like a chore. Um, So, yeah, I mean, for us, there's been, it's just remarkable to see how people respond to it. And um, yeah, we're excited to see where it goes. That's, I love, I really want to highlight that. Make it playful, make it fun because there we are inundated with so much work, you know, quote unquote work. And, and how do we make it so that there's a motivation to take care of ourselves versus I think we've been so conditioned to do things to get uh, to produce something or to achieve something or to, you know, but, but self-care I feel like that conversation is only now getting talked about more, mm-hmm. you know, or mental health or, you know, taking care of ourselves, going to therapy and, and how can we, so you're creating it in a way that's accessible and um, almost like a lollipop here, here's a lollipop, exactly. go, go do your self care. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's huge. There's, you know, a lot of the things that you look at reality TV, you know, whatever it is, fast food, all of it, pharmaceuticals, it's, it's very much, it's super accessible and it's enjoyable in the moment. It's like instant gratification. When you look at a lot of, you know, self-development work, that it's not either of those things. It's usually like very challenging and you don't get the instant gratification. You feel good afterwards, but to go through that process, I usually describe it as like eat your vegetables type of experience, you know? Sitting in a sauna or a cold plunge is not enjoyable when you're in there, (laughs) but when you get out, you feel amazing. Same thing with working out or yoga or going to therapy, driving through LA traffic to get to your therapist and sit there, you know, it's like, yeah, how do we tap the mainstream in in a deeper way and really have these types of practices become more prevalent is making, you know, taking notes based off of the pharmaceutical companies that are just like, here you go, here's your pill, pop it. And then 20 minutes later, you feel completely different. Uh And how do we do that in a sustainable way and follow that model? But, you know, obviously with much better intentions. Yeah. Yeah. And to, to highlight, you know, even how this can benefit us. So from our show, Eat, Play, Sex, you know, we talk very relationally. We talk very about our sex life and our sexual health. So thinking in terms of that, how, how tools like this can impact 
us relationally. I don't know. Have you even seen how this impacts how you show up in interrelationally with other people or with your partner? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, in a variety of ways. Um, with this technology specifically, and, and the kind of the catch the catch all phrase for this stuff is digital therapeutics. Mm -hmm. So we've been working in this realm before it was even a term. Uh, my other VR company was publishing it as an entertainment product because there wasn't really a marketplace for what digital therapeutics do. The FDA didn't have a category for it, which has recently changed. Um, but yeah, I mean, using these tools for anything from connecting deeper with a partner, um, you know, Mia, my partner and I will use the vibrating bed, the sound lounge as a way to drop into meditation together. We can both lay on it, you know, simultaneously. Um, a lot of these tools can be used for connection. Yeah. And then uh, another platform that I've been building is a VR education, uh, open world social experience. And that's kind of the same thing. It's like, okay, yes, you're wearing a headset and yes, you're using technology, but it's the next best thing to real life. So if we yeah. are going to be all stuck on Zoom calls, why would we not just be in like this giant metaverse open world where we could actually touch each other and the haptics vibrate as if you and I were shaking hands or hugging and we could go through space together and, you know, emulate that as close as possible, creating, creating more, you know, deep connections with people from around the world. Wow. 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 Okay. There's so much there. You just gave me like a multiverse of multiverse information. <laughs> let's, let's take that. Um, and, and magnify what you just shared with me. Um, so you and your partner, uh, take uh, intentionally connect with each other on the vibrating bed, which, you know, again, as a trauma therapist, I'm like, yeah, anything that vibrates can help us to, to shift into a more regulated, like downregulate us and flush mm -hmm. out a, the stress hormones so that we can more easily connect with our, with our partner. That's mm -hmm. amazing. And I, do you also do like the feedback with the breath too? Yeah, so sound self currently isn't multiplayer, but we have been experiment <laughs> experimenting with it. We've played it before with multiple people and it is really profound. There's just some issues around biofeedback. If, you know, multiple vo voices are toning at the same time, how do those interlink? And there's it's, it's a deeper technical question, but yes, I think that that's where we're going with that product specifically. And, um, you know, typically now we kind of use it as stacking. So that's like the big biohacking term is what, what are you stacking? Um, so, you know, if we, before, you know, being intimate or before starting our day, having multiple experiences that we do um, as kind of a cycle. Yeah. So we'll use something called a chi machine that I also have in, in the biohacking dojo, which is used to be a music studio that is, has been converted. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so we'll do the chi machine, which you basically lay down and it moves your legs back and forth and creates like this similar like parasympathetic response. Um, and as soon as it turns off, it like you literally, you sit there or lay there for maybe 15 minutes. And as it turns off, it sends like this huge rush of chills throughout your body. It's pretty amazing. It's been around for a long time. I think like the early nineties, this device has been around. Um, so we'll use like the chi machine. We'll use the sound lounge, which is the vibrating bed. We'll use light therapy. And then of course, like we also have a cold plunge and a sauna. So, you know, you do five or six of those things before starting your day or, um, before going into the bedroom, you know, it's, it's definitely a game changer. Yo, I don't, it, you, you cheated me out. I want that chi machine thing that shoots shivers on my leave. body. Yeah. I'm like, what? <laughs> I didn't get that. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. So this 
actually reminds me of this experience, <laughs> this time at Burning Man, <laughs> where I was sitting across from this person that I did not know very well. And they, we were both sitting on, on these chairs opposite of, of each other. And then behind us was this, this heart-shaped um, backing. And w the idea of it was to hold each other's eye gaze and try to synchronize our breath together. And so every time he breathed, I could see behind him a light move up the, the sides of the walls. And every time he exhaled, it receded. Mm -hmm. And so I could more easily connect with him in that way or connect with his breath in that way. And as we stayed there for longer, it felt, oh, and then sound wise, I think there was the rise of the ocean sound mm -hmm. and then the receding of the ocean sound. And so as we continued to just be there in each other's presence, I, I dropped into this very surreal, calm, yet super connected space. And I didn't know this person, but I, but I felt so deeply caring for this other person. Mm -hmm. And afterward we hugged and we were like, oh my God, that's so beautiful, you know? <laughs> was he wearing like sensors or something to allow the light behind him to function that way? It's possible. I don't remember. It okay. was, you know, this was years ago and it was in the middle of a dusty... Yeah. <laughs> dusty other world but it just it lit me up this curiosity around around oh my god we talk about how much technology disconnects us from each other you know we talk about social medias and and um you know texting and and facebook or whatever it is and uh thinking that the younger generation is less and less connected with one another or, or we're losing our social skills, this, that, or the other. And yet here is the, these are examples of how technology can actually deepen our connection with one another. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot there. The biggest thing I think within the industry and technology as a whole is around biometrics and biosensors. So our phones have a lot of biosensors on them now. Of course, most people have Apple watches or Aura rings, and that's tracking things like your sleep cycles. Um, so that is bringing us closer to ourselves, getting, mm. our, you know, being able to really understand ourselves at a deeper level. Um, every time I talk to somebody that's like really afraid of technology or like being monitored by all this technology, all this, you know, things that they might be wearing or that are in their house, I, I kind of like, you know, flip the, the script on them a little bit and say like, okay, well imagine you going to pee and you literally pee in your toilet and your toilet feeds you back instant biometric data saying like what vitamins you're, de you're deficient in, how hydrated you are. Like, yes, it's kind of scary that that data could be, you know, shown throughout the world. And it's such an amazing preventative healthcare system that could literally just be embedded in your toilet. And it's like something you never even have to think about. But now all of a sudden you're being able to accurately monitor and become closer to why you're feeling the way that you're feeling and how to alter that at any given time. Oh my God. This is like Google Translator for our body. Like we're learning because I mean, I admit this, I'm an expert in this shit in my body and I still get confused by the messages of what my body's trying to tell mm -hmm. me, right? So I don't know if that's patent pending, but somebody needs to get on that toilet thing for sure. Yeah, I'm actually, I think I heard about it years ago. I think it was like the Bill Gates Foundation or something <laughs> that's planning on launching something in that, in that world. But yeah, and then, you know, in order to connect closer to each other, 
where I do know a lot of amazing creators that have been building things similar to what you tried at Burning Man. Uh, one of them's name is Mikey Seagal. Um, he was in Jamie Wheel's book, Stealing Fire. He had like a big uh, piece in there about his experience called group flow, mm -hmm. which is essentially doing what you're talking about. But instead of just being with partners, you could do it in large groups, mm -hmm. syncing up heart rate, syncing up breath, um, having the ability for a speaker. So if we're all sitting in a circle and it's my turn to speak, then you would literally feel my heartbeat and everyone would start to sync up with my heartbeat based off of me being basically the person holding the talking stick. Whoa, that's it, like co-regulation to the max. Yeah. And then I know, I know actually Jamie Wheel was experimenting and a lot of people have been with heart math um, and heart math is, is interesting because they've been around for a really long time. They have some really cool biosensors. They have books about using HRV and basically being able to control your heart rate variability for reduced stress and literally, you know, being able to, to downregulate on command. Um, so I got really into that a few years ago. But what's great about their company is they're very open source. So they like allow creators to play with a lot of their their products and use them in very interesting ways. And I've I've heard some some cool stuff around just like Zoom calls. So you know, obviously going into VR, we're we're thinking about doing this at a much deeper level. But even on Zoom, you could have everyone connected to heart mass sensors and like queue up a movie or something like a ten minute short film that everyone watches together and it actually you know everyone's emotional cues are now like in place you're all feeling the same way after watching this and now everyone's heartbeat is starting to sync up and you could like monitor how everyone is starting to be in coherence with each other and you know obviously you start adding haptics where there's vibration and you're feeling other people's heartbeat and you could like continue to expand upon that but that's what's really interesting in vr is that if we're all sitting in a communal space in the virtual world then we could literally like see above your avatar like maybe even on your name and it shows like you know what your heart rhythm is like what your hrv is are you stressed out are you calm um, and then you could literally start to sync that up with people in a meditative setting in a virtual world wow so the virtual worlds wow okay i'm like digesting this for a moment so because you also put me into the vr and i got to see and anybody any of our listeners who've done what's the what's the the common one oculus uh-huh. Yeah. The Quest and Quest 2 are the big headsets right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So VR is is something trippy. Like, I was flying with, like, a rainbow shooting out of my butt or something and, like, drawing in the sky. And then I, like, I was so afraid of dying. <laughs> I'm not kidding, kidding. I could feel my, my system responding mm -hmm. as if the, all of this was real. Mm -hmm. So it's it brings to question a lot with that of like, okay, so we can go into this space and, and learn and we can go into the space and experience life-like experiences. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and how can this impact our social dynamics? So, okay, let me tell you what's underneath that question. Um, <laughs> I've heard of things like virtual porn or VR porn or VR sex or, and, and yeah, I guess just starting with that, I, what do you know about that? I haven't done it myself, but. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. So we were talking about this right before we, we started or filming or I guess recording, um, you know, really 
thinking about that because yeah, I mean, most emerging tech technologies are usually advanced quickly and propagated through things like violence, violent video games and porn. Mm. Those are like the two things. I mean, the porn industry has done a lot for technology um, in general, just, you know, the whole industry, how they, how it works on the internet. And obviously they want to do that as the new medium of, of VR, XR, AR, all that stuff starts to come out. Um, so yeah, I was just telling you that um, three days ago, I was approached by a company that recently sold for a large amount, something like four or $500 million as a sex toy company. And um, now that the founder has sold that company, he's really looking at giving back, being more philanthropic and figuring out how to embed the hardware of sex toys into VR in a way that actually creates more connection as opposed to pulling people away from one another. And I thought that was a really interesting question. Um, the team that proposed this to me, uh, they didn't seem to have an answer for it. Mm. Um, but I thought it was a really interesting uh, thought experiment because um, that's the last thing that I want to do is be involved in uh, in the sex industry in a way that, that takes people away from one another. And you're seeing a lot of that stuff happen in Japan massive depression, suicide numbers. They actually are, I think, the only country in the world that has a decrease in population right now. Mm -hmm. um, there's this amazing Vice documentary about these men that are actually paid just to take women on dates. So yeah. they're not even escorts. They're literally just like paid thousands of dollars to be gentlemen and take people out, take women out and, and be social with them and kind and even snuggle with them at the end of the night because there's just, there's a lot of men and women that are really focused on their careers and think that starting a family would deter them from their growth there. But then there's also more technology embedded in that culture in Japan than probably anywhere in the world. Um, so, you know, that scares me. And I also know as being very practical and a futurist that that's where it's going. Is that like there is lots of sex robots. There's the ability to integrate the, you know, the software and the hardware and have this virtual sex experience that, you know, may eventually get to the point where it feels almost like the real thing, at least for like, you know, what me and I would call like muggle sex, you know. <laughs> um, obviously, they wouldn't be able to do the intimate practices with these with these, you know, virtual women, at least initially, um, who knows 10 or 15 years from now, but right now it's, you know, very much like how to get off as fast as possible. Mm -hmm. But then when you think about it on the flip side and how does this actually build more connection, maybe with people from across the world or um, even with your partner at home, that's a, a really interesting question that I don't have the answer to, but. I love this. Yeah, yeah. So, so we're talking about the ethics of of technology and the use of technology in, in um, sex and relationships. And, and there's, so there's a, there's a point there that you're making of, uh, are we making products that are perpetuating the socially constructed idea of what sex is, mm -hmm. which is the sim, you know, I don't know, hitting the symptom of um, loneliness or hitting the symptom of uh, physical release or, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I guess whatever reason that we use sex or orgasm for, right? And so are we perpetuating this goal-oriented idea of sex versus, you know, what I do in my work, which is teaching about uh, using pleasure as a compass and using sex as something that is connective or enlivening versus just goal oriented, which can end up creating a lot more mm. um, 
uh, or perpetuate some of the sexual dysfunctions or the challenges around maintaining erections or having an orgasm or um, premature ejaculation because mm-hmm. it's goal oriented, right? So, so that brings up a really interesting question. And like in Japan, where they're using all the technology or they're using, like you said, these escorts or um, it, I, I know that dolls, like life-size dolls is, is a massive piece out there too, but it's almost like, how can we, how are we addressing the symptoms of our needs as human versus going holistically to the source, which is relationship and connection. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's almost like we were talking about with the biohacking, how can we bypass the humanness of our life to be superhuman? Mm -hmm and accomplish and achieve and and do as much as we can, which to me, the therapist in me screams like, no, your worthiness does not, is not contingent upon what you create. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, it's like we're perpetuating anxiety and, and yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, it's really interesting just to think, you know, 10, 20, 30 years from now, because everything will be technology at that point. Mm-hmm. And I really feel that there's there's two major paths that it could go down. And one is this artificial intelligence, which is what you're talking about. It's more around maximizing output, automation, you know, taking us further and further away from ourselves to mm-hmm. allow for the productivity machine, capitalism machine to just spin faster and faster. And then there's the other side, which is where I'm fascinated and feel that not enough people are involved in because they're so afraid of the AI alternative that's in every movie and that even like the thought leaders like Ray Kurzweil and there's all these guys that are very focused on like the singularity and how to eventually Mm. merge with the machine, um, which spiritually I don't think is possible, um, you know, outside of like the question of the soul and how that would ever get trapped in this like digital dimension. It's also they're basing everything on silicone. It's like this silicone-based technology to eventually like upload your consciousness, but we're carbon-based beings. So it's just mm-hmm. really interesting because that argument doesn't come up a lot and I think it should mm. more often. Yeah. And, you know, so then there's that school of thought that is very scary and that like takes people away. So, you know, highly intelligent people are afraid to be involved in technology because they think they're going to be contributing to this thing where there is the healthy alternative that's more around how to create immersive connection experiences mm-hmm. and bring us closer to each other. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's there's two, you know, very polarizing experiences. I think they both lead to longevity, uh-huh. um, you know, maybe living five or six hundred years based off of actually improving your natural biorhythms and, and your deeper connection and using stem cells and all these things in a meaningful way versus like fully disconnecting from your body and being like a floating brain in a yeah. machine. You know? <laughs> so, yeah. so there's like these two very polarizing things. And I think eventually humans are going to have to choose. It's not going to be like Republicans versus Democrats anymore. It's going to be <laughs> like literally transhumanists that are half robot or fully robotic in this virtual world. And then there's going to be like this fully integrated human that lives off of the land yet uses technology as a way to monitor things like health and connect deeper with each other. Totally. And it's, and it's almost like the, you know, even around things like porn, it's not necessarily porn is inherently wrong. It's how we utilize it and the education we have around it. Right. Mm -hmm. So technology in and of itself is not something wrong. It's how are we educated to use it? Mm -hmm. So, because if we think about it, 
you know, sex toys and vibrators are technically, um, you know, or chat room sex, phone sex scenes, Skype sex, Zoom play parties, you know, all of these are technology based mm-hmm. and aren't inherently wrong. They can actually really help us. It's just how, but they can also harm us when we don't have the education around how to properly use them, mm-hmm. right? And so I can imagine for people who do struggle with sexual dysfunctions or or challenges with orgasm, how interesting that could be to use this technology, perhaps to teach a woman to have an orgasm or and viscerally feel it in our body. Say like I work with a lot of women and men who have sexual trauma. And so connecting to their body is very difficult Mm -hmm. because they have more of a dissociative um, uh, relationship with it due to a solution they created, you know, internally, uh, to resolve the the pain of the trauma, but so with the breath, you know, the practice that I just did on that um, on that bed Sounds with the vibration, awesome. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I just imagine the yeah the healing aspects of these, or taking a VR class with me and feeling, you know, what I'm trying to get you to learn. Yeah, I mean that's a great segue. Because um, the, the other platform that I've been so focused on building is called Genius X, um, and that's focused on creating an educational platform in VR, which really hasn't been done. Um, there's a few examples, but they don't. I don't think they nearly scratch the surface of what's possible. And you know, focused on things like sex education. What's so interesting in VR is it goes from if you were to do something on a Zoom call or you know this this 2D experience, it's very passive. People are, you know, it's very asynchronous. So they're they're having this one to many experience, but there's there's not a lot of social dynamics to it. It's all really theory based. Mm-hmm. Um, where in VR, it's all practical, and it's mm-hmm. all you know, you're putting it into practice in this virtual environment. Um, things like you know, public speaking, or things like intimate relating one-on-one with somebody where you're literally standing there looking at an an avatar that looks identical to them and making eye contact with them in a VR space and then being able to move around and practice these things that they're learning really hasn't been done before. There's some really cool examples of it and there's been some amazing science coming out around VR and, and like memory retention, it's like four times higher retention levels than if you were to be sitting in a classroom. Um, Same thing with um, things like uh, confidence building. So, mm-hmm. you know, like people that are trying to learn English, for instance, as a second language, a lot of people, especially like in places like China, they're fluent in English, but they would never speak English to anybody. Their confidence is just, you know, so lacking because they don't have the ability to have conversation with people that have English as a first language. Yeah. So all of a sudden you put them in VR and their confidence goes through the roof because they're actually used to using these theoretical knowledge in a practical way. So mm-hmm. thinking about that with sex education, there's it's just fascinating how deep you could potentially go. Yeah. And you know, VR is so magical because you can literally create anything. So you know, you could do it. I was just inside of an experience where um, it was for biology and you could go deep into the cell, into the cell membrane and like study the nucleus and like move around it and um, you know, see how, how DNA strands connect and all these things and being inside of somebody's body. Um, but that's just, you know, kind of like the next step for, again, like the theory. But then what happens when you do something where you're actually relating to other humans and sending people on kind of like this hero's journey of up-leveling themselves 
through education and making it more gamified and more of a quest. So, you know, they start off not knowing anything, you teach them a skill, now they have to take that skill and apply it in the virtual world in order to unlock a door that leads them to the next module, yeah. you know, so that's that's what we're building. And I mean, that's what we're so excited about is it could be applied to anything. And I think yeah. something like a fully embodied experience around sexual practices is an amazing use case. Yeah, yeah. And then it'll also bring up the, you know, conversations around ethics of, uh, of um, the... You know, if we're able to access people's bodies through virtual reality, so like maybe this is blending with what I was talking about with the porn VR, you know, like you can have sex with this this person, you know, through porn or you can watch them have sex in this virtual reality. And so how can we... Um, create an ethical like consent when it comes to sex in VR you know are we able to you know, is this going to lead to us being able to upload other people's images and create a body of somebody else that we're having sex with mm -hmm. you know I don't know where the technology is with that but but that that kind of stuff you know kind of puts me a little on edge um how do we yeah how do we do that yeah, I mean, and that's why I continue to urge creators, um, programmers, designers to really be thinking about creating healthy alternatives because the things that you're worried about are definitely happening because they're like the lowest hanging fruit, you know, mm -hmm, it's like. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think about that a lot and yeah, things like consent is a great example. Things like setting a ceremonial space before going into the bedroom and like actually being able to like simulate that and walk around and do the practices that you would want to do prior to, you know, becoming intimate, whatever that looks like. But, um, yeah, that's, that's what's so interesting is that there's so many creators that are focused on zombie shooter games and mm -hmm. uploading all the POV sex that you can imagine, yeah. but there's not a lot of people thinking about how to make this a healthy alternative. That's also super engaging and immersive and fun, you know, and not like this again, like eat your vegetables experience, but something that rivals all the other stuff that is such an easy escapism mechanism that is super instant gratification, mm -hmm. um, but doing that in a way that is just as competitive to that, like sitting side by side, if you imagine like a Netflix menu, that's basically what it looks like inside the VR headset, uh -huh. is you have all these different experiences that you could just buy and select right there in the marketplace. So if you can imagine these two experiences sitting side by side, like there needs to be more people thinking this way and starting to create these, you know, filmmakers, like VR film, interactive film is a huge thing right now, um, which I highly encourage people to check out where <laughs> it's literally like Pixar style animations, but you actually play a character in the movie. No. Yeah. So like a really good one is called Wolves in the Walls. I think they won the first ever Emmy for VR. Wow. Um, and, and there's one called Baba Yaga, which is like this like ancient like forest witch story. But yeah, you literally play a character in the movie. So, you know, there's there's options. There's kind of like these um, decision trees where you like go left or right or make this decision, like kill this person or save them. And it changes the whole narrative. So, you know, filmmakers, game designers, um, people that are just in the arts in general, like start really thinking about how to get involved in this new medium that's going to take over the world in the next 10 years because right now we're at the ground level and we could really create compelling content that is benevolent that is for the good of everyone that could compete with all this 
all the the toxic escapism that's that's already in the marketplace now. Yeah, yeah. So if we go into this world, is what we experience, because I know my body responds as if it's really happening, right? Like I literally thought I was going to fall off this building, even though I wasn't going to fall off the building. Um, the do, do people feel satiated in this world and and then come out of the world and no longer need to fulfill whatever connection or whatever it was that they had in there or yeah or is it yeah yeah well it's interesting because you brought up the the fear uh yeah like a fear of heights which is i think like the number two (laughs) fear maybe the number one fear uh, globally, and there's a there's an amazing doctor, Dr. Andrew Huberman out of Stanford, that has been doing a lot of this exposure therapy. <gasps> so he's been doing like 360 films of like diving with great white sharks, uh-huh. and then you literally like in his lab, people will go in there with like PTSD. He's been doing stuff with soldiers where they're actually simulating the battlefield experience to basically wow. expose them to that for them to be able to work through. So yeah. there is a lot around exposure therapy and PTSD happening in VR. Um, which is fascinating. Um, But yeah, I mean, people are, I would say, satiated. I think it's just going to continue to grow. Mm -hmm. Um, Things like latency, um, you know, the graphic capabilities, and then adding all of these, the haptic components. So there's like gloves that are coming out. There's things called the the Omni uh, treadmill, which is essentially like a hamster ball. (laughs) So instead of like a treadmill (laughs) where you just walk in one direction, you can Uh walk in any direction standing on top of this platform. So now you're actually not just moving a joystick to move forward, but you're you're able to actually walk, Um, which you can still do now, but you need a very large play space to do so. Most people's living room doesn't allow you to like move around that much without kicking a couch or something. Um, so yeah, I mean, all the technology is is just now starting to surface where, you know, it's gonna be very much like Ready Player One if anyone's seen the Spielberg adaptation yes. to that movie. Yes, I have. Yeah, I mean, that's, they made that, I think they put it in like late 2030 or something, but all that tech is out already. It's just expensive. It's like maybe two or three grand for like a pair of vibrating gloves that sync up with your headset. So in a couple of years, that, that whole reality is going to be imagined and then it will be as close to lifelike as possible. Isn't that crazy? I feel like, you know, it's like watching episodes of The Symptoms and they and they predict, quote unquote, you know, things that are going to happen. It's like we read these books and it's scary to think about, oh, we're actually there, mm-hmm. <laughs> at least with technology and some of the things that we're experiencing in the world. Yeah, we were even talking about he the, the guy that wrote the book. I'm blanking on his name right now. But he, uh, something Klein, um, but anyways, he lives in Austin. So we were like talking about potentially bringing him on as like an advisor to one of my companies because yeah, he has such a futuristic lens of these things. And I think once you start like writing narratives, I think The Simpsons is a good example too. Like you continue to write these stories and then you follow that narrative and eventually it leads to you predicting the future because you're, you know, you're logically thinking about how these things could progress based off of these character arcs and eventually you get to this point where it's like yeah i mean that could happen and of course like a lot of people like you know the guy that wrote ready player one like he's studying a lot of the technologies that are out there and deep in the industry and just watching the trends go yeah yeah wow well i'm excited to see these trends go and see what evolves out of everything that's happening how can people find out more how they how can they connect with you um, yeah, so 
I've been really into, I have a newsletter now that has like 50,000 subscribers that is kind of just blown up recently. And I track all this technology and it's, it's very much focused on like our benevolent future. So I call it Ascension technology or like ethical technology. Um, and so, yeah, you could find that on enterandromeda.com slash blog. Um, and then on socials, I'm Luminous Lyle, even though I'm not very good with socials because I'm so obsessed with my work right now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and then websites too. Uh, the digital therapeutics company is called Entheo.digital um, and SoundSelf is the product that we're releasing right now. And then the education platform is GeniusX.com. And you'll see me on there soon. <laughs> yes, we'd love to have you as an educator. Yeah, and that's a huge thing too. Um, like my two big asks are if you're a psychedelic therapist and you're interested in using these digital therapeutics in your practice, a lot of the things that we've been doing is around priming and integration. Mm-hmm. Um, so priming meaning people that have treatment-resistant psychiatric disorders that are afraid of psychedelics. So yeah. there's so many people that qualify for psychedelic therapy that are terrified of using the medicine. Yeah. So they could use this digital therapeutic that creates a psychedelic effect And that actually is a gateway into them being able to feel more comfortable using psychedelics. And then we also use it as as an integration tool, meaning after you're done with your psychedelic session, then a week from now, the day after, or even like six months later, you could use this technology and start to bring back the same epiphanies and the feelings that you had to allow for a deeper journaling and deeper integration work. So any psychedelic therapists that are interested uh, definitely reach out. And then on the GeniusX side, we're looking for educators that want to take their their 2D e-learning course, however they're doing it on Kajabi or Coursera, and import it into the VR world. Oh, fuck yeah. Oh, this is amazing. Lyle, you are just, uh, I just, uh, I just uh, you can't even see me over here, but I'm just flailing my arms. Like I, I'm out of words. I don't know. It's awesome. I love what you're doing. I love what you're about. I'm excited to see more. Thank you so much for coming on here. Of course. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Lovers, thank you again for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, hit subscribe and head over to eatplaysex.com to connect with me and grab my sexy guides. Because my goal here is to get you to eat, play, and sex better so you can improve your sex life, which will improve every aspect of your life. Until next time, keep it sexy. Sexy.